Well, Merry Christmas uh, from me to you. I think there is something uh, that is just so great and appropriate about being at church uh, on the day that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I am excited uh, to be with you here this morning and to see you all out here is just such a huge blessing to me. And I would encourage you right now, if you've got a copy of God's Word, to turn there to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And as you're turning there, I want to let you know that I got my Christmas shopping done this year on, uh, on Friday. <laughs> on Friday. So pretty last minute. Right? Pretty last minute. That's what, the 23rd? Right? But I'm just kind of curious here. Um, anyone here uh, get your Christmas shopping done yesterday on Christmas Eve? We got, we got a couple here. Anybody ever get your Christmas shopping done on Christmas Eve? A couple of kind of, there we go, some brave hands. Got your hands up. I, I love that. Now, if you were to ask any, well, let's just be honest, guy, right? If you were to ask any man about that, uh, about shopping on Christmas Eve, they're like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? There, you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good move to do your Christmas shopping then because you think about it for a few reasons. Uh, one of them is that the roads are generally clearer, right? You don't have to deal with the traffic as much. Most people have gotten all their shopping done, and so it's uh, you know they can just kind of make it more efficiently uh, to the store to the mall. Speaking of malls, they're usually emptier. Right? You don't have to like elbow your way. I see a lot of nods. The guys in the room are totally clicking with this. Right? That you don't have to elbow your way through crowds and the lineups are a lot shorter and all of that. Here's another really good thing. You only have to hide the presents from your family for like one night. Right? So, I mean, it, it, it is a great move. You might, you might even say it's a veteran move okay, to do your shopping uh, on uh, Christmas Eve. Okay? For a guy especially, I think, uh, it's just like the perfect timing. It's a perfect timing. Well, our passage this morning actually uh, talks about perfect timing uh, as well. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 6 says this, as the time, okay, the time came for her to give birth, speaking of Mary. And so what we're going to do here this morning is just spend a few moments together um, really talking about how Jesus came into the world as a child who would become the Messiah at just the right time. Hey, the timing was perfect. Now, you might be kind of wondering, what do we mean by that when we say that Christ came at just the right time? Well, uh, what we mean is that the Lord, okay, the Lord God sovereignly chose the time. He chose chose the the place, the the setting. He he set the stage uh, for uh, him to enter into uh, his creation. None of it was by accident. None of it was, was random. He didn't come too soon, and he certainly did not enter into his creation uh, too late. Okay, none of that. You know, and whereas last week we talked about the whole reason that he came, and that was to save his people, save us from our sins. Matthew chapter 1 says that. Today is all about kind of the perfect timing and the time that God chose to come and unveil his uh, rescue plan here and how his orchestration of all of that impacts you and I. It impacts all people for all eternity. All right, so we're going to read this now. Uh, Luke chapter 2, you can follow along with me uh, in your Bible, uh, reading verse 1 down to verse 7. Here's what it says. It says, in those days, right, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And when they were there, here it is, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Lord, we come before you today, um, such a great day uh, to be gathered as the body of Jesus Christ to come and recognize and celebrate you, Lord, how you came to earth uh, as a child, Lord, in the most humble, uh, nondescript way ever, Lord, but you had such an epic plan in place, and this is the start of all of it. And so, God, I pray that as we focus our hearts and our minds on these things, I pray that our, our hearts would be filled with such joy at this news. God, I pray that we would, we would rejoice in the initiation of the gospel here. Lord, I pray that, that this would indeed be uh, the main reason, the main thing that we are excited about and passionate about this Christmas season. Lord, we pray uh, that as we walk through all of this, Lord, illuminate our eyes, Lord, open up our eyes, remove the veil, Lord, that you would be worshipped, Lord, that you would get glory. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. All right, so you ready to get into this here this morning? We got three things, three things, all right? Jesus came to us at just the right time because life's hard and we're desperate. Okay, life's hard and we are desperate. Take a look at verse 1. Look what it says. It says, In those days, all right, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. All right, so what this does, what this information does, it gives us kind of a real sense of what was going on here, the kind of the political vibe, the socioeconomic situation that that Mary and Joseph uh, found themselves in. All right, so Mary and Joseph, they lived in uh, Nazareth, which was under the governance of Rome at the time. Or it was under Roman rule. And so Caesar Augustus, what does he do? He issues a decree, it says there, that everyone under Roman rule, so including them, was to be registered. Now, they were to be registered for tax purposes. That was kind of the whole point of all of this. We'll kind of unpack that as we go. Now, it says there, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Okay, but if you have uh, the ESV, the English Standard Version Bible, that's the one that I'm preaching out of here today. I'm not sure which, which translation you have, um, but if you uh, see that there, there's a little note, there's a little number two uh, by the word uh, when, when Quirinius, which is just kind of saying there, there's an explanation at the bottom saying that this, is, this might be better translated as the first registration before Okay, not when, but before Quirinius was governor. Now, all of that to say um, that that translation probably makes the most sense because history, it records Quirinius as the governor at actually a later time, and he actually oversaw another uh, census as well that actually Acts chapter 5, verse 37 mentions. Anyways, just making sure that we kind of all understand that and get the timeline and you're not confused by some of those notes there. Okay, but all of that kind of just aside for a second. Hey, think about the scene that's unfolding here. Hey, think about this. Put yourself in their shoes. I mean, Mary and Joseph, what are they dealing with here? Well, first of all, they're dealing with what? The optics of her getting pregnant 
out of wedlock. Now, you remember we talked about this uh, last weekend uh, a little bit. Now, I mean, we know, we know because we talked about it, that, that the Lord himself orchestrated all of these things. She was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. But can you just, just kind of imagine the difficulty of this for Mary and for Joseph? I mean, think about it. You know, she was, she was unwed, and yet she was pregnant under, under Jewish law. This was a huge, huge no-no. And, and so just picture kind of how people would have handled that around her. Do you think people would have been like real kind about it? Or maybe not so much? Maybe not so much. Just picture like the, the, the gossip that they, they would have had to endure. Right? The, you know, the relationships that they had with people. people. I'm sure they would have scattered. We don't want anything to do with you. They would have felt alone. The relational discord that was going through all of this. They're trying to watch. How's Joseph going to handle all of this? They're expecting a divorce any time now, and it wasn't happening. And so there probably would have been you know, a lot of chatter. You think about how awful that would have been for them emotionally as they're trying to you know, follow the Lord and obey him, and they didn't know everything yet and how this was all going to play out exactly. There would have for sure been some fear involved. Okay, but then on top of all of that, they also now, also now have to deal with being taxed heavily. That was this whole registration thing. So think about Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed, they're getting ready to be kind of officially married, right? And now they've got like a financial burden put in place. And, and think about it, if you're married here, you know that, that finances can just be one of the biggest stresses in your married relationship between you and your spouse. I mean, I think today it's like the leasing, leading cause of divorce. It's finances. And so you see these things kind of mounting and, and building, building up. Okay, but then on top of all of that, what do they have to do? They have to travel from Nazareth south, but it was actually up, okay, I'm going to explain, to, to Bethlehem. And the reason it says that they're going to go up, we're going to see that in a second here, is because, because Bethlehem was, was on a mountain. And so think about this, ladies, like any of you that have kids. Okay, picture yourself, you know, nine months pregnant, right? I'm sure like the first thing that you're thinking is like, hey, I, could, I, I would love to do some mountain climbing right now. Right? You would love, no, the la- that's the last thing. Right? You just want to stay in bed. You probably don't want to leave the house. Right? You're feeling uncomfortable. And now, now Mary, she has to do this like 70, 80 mile trek up a mountain okay, with her husband. Now, I mean, we've all seen the movies. We've seen you know, the pictures and you know, the Christmas cards with Mary sitting on what kind of an animal usually? Right, like, a, like a donkey or something like that. Now, that's not, ex- that's not even recorded in Scripture. So I don't know where we got that. That's like an extra biblical thing. Okay, now, she might, she might have been on a donkey or like a camel or a colt or something like that. But we're not, not too sure. But I mean, even, even if she was, right, how comfy of a ride do you think that is when you're nine months pregnant? You're like, get me out of here. Right, that's, that's totally weird thing. So just, just picture this. Like, life was hard. Life was, was really difficult, and they would have been feeling very much desperate at this point, probably just craving some kind of, some kind of comfort, some kind of relief. That's what they were, were looking for, and yet think about the timing. Think about the timing. Okay, God, what was he doing? He was working powerfully behind the scenes okay, to unfold what would be the greatest miracle of all time. 
pretty incredible to think about. See, God knew that as long as sin was reigning supreme in the heart of man, mankind, he knew that life was always going to be hard and desperate. It always was going to be. Now, do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel the difficulty of life? Do you ever feel kind of the desperation of it all? Of course we do. Right? We live in such a, such a broken and, and fallen world. And I think all of us, you know, in a quiet moment, we probably all get to the, have gotten to the place maybe multiple times where you're like, man, I, I just feel like life is supposed to be better than this. Right? Like I, I just, you know, things aren't working out the way that I kind of envision and the way that I desire. I, you know, I, I'm sick. You know, I, I, I'm constantly tired. I, my body breaks down. Again, there's, there's financial burdens and stress of life. You know, my family isn't maybe as tight-knit as I would like it to be. Maybe even for you, this Christmas season is one of, one of challenge and hardship and desperation, right? It's not, you know, you're like, I wish it was like this merry and bright stuff that I see on Instagram everywhere, right? But my family, you know, my life, it doesn't feel like that. Life is hard and, and it's desperate. But isn't it amazing that the Lord came to us in that moment, right? He came to us. I mean, what could he have done? He could have done nothing at all, Right? He, or, or he could have let us squirm and, and suffer and, and, and all of that for eons. And he, and he could have let it just be awful for, for so long, but he didn't. Right? He came at the right time. And why did he come? Well, it was ultimately to heal us, to heal his people, to bring forgiveness, and to, and, and to heal our suffering. And he wanted to do that ultimately for all eternity. Now the gospel tells us, the gospel tells us that, that the, core, the core reason behind all of our suffering, the, the core reason behind the, the hardships, the, the difficulty in life, the, the fact that the earth itself is breaking down, the, the core reason behind all of that is sin. And that is why God came. He came to make all things new. He came to make all things right. Now, do you realize that he didn't just come to deal with sin in like a very general sense, but he came to deal with yours. He came to deal with, with mine as well. And, and the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is what? It's death. It's death. In other words, that's what your sin, that's what my sin earns. That's what we have coming to us because of our sin. It's death, it's spiritual death, it's separation from God forever and ever. That's what our sin brings us. And so what did Jesus come and do? He came and he entered into the mess. He entered into the fray and to ultimately go to the cross at some point and take the punishment that we deserved, take the death that we deserved on himself on the cross. And why? Why? Because of God's love for us. Because the Lord is like, I, I don't want to have to punish them even though they deserve it. I love them so much. They're the ones that I cherish. They're the ones that I love. And so I'm going to pour this, all of my wrath, all of the punishment, once and for all, on my, my only son. That's why Christ went to the cross. It was for you. And you realize that it is a gift. Salvation, knowing Jesus Christ personally, is a gift of grace. It is not something that you and I can earn. 
It's not all of the behavior, all of the good works, all of the way that we're kind of naturally wired. That doesn't cut it. God has, God has gifted us salvation. And so I would really challenge you this morning here. If you do not know Jesus Christ personally, if you are not a Christ follower, today could be the day. I mean, what an amazing day it would really be, right? Christmas Sunday, that you could come to know the Lord, to have your sins forgiven. It really re- just requires understanding what I just said and, and, and admitting your sin before the Lord and receiving salvation, asking him to be your savior. That is what salvation is all about. Hey, that's why Christ came. Okay, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Jesus came to us at just the right time as he promised he would. Okay, as he promised he would. Verse 4, take a peek. Verse 4 says this, Joseph also went up, okay, there's, there's the part there, he went up to the mountain, okay, from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth. So this town is ultimately where, you know, Joseph and Mary and then Jesus, when he was born, they would go back. And this is where Jesus would grow up. Okay, keep going. It says he went from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now you may be thinking, hold on a second. Isn't, isn't Jerusalem typically known as the city of David? Because that's where his palace was, and that's where he reigned. And yes, that's true. Okay, but Bethlehem was actually the town that David himself grew up, and so hence the title here. Okay, also, also Bethlehem was the ancestral town of Joseph. And that's where you had to go uh, when it came to uh, the registration. You had to go back to your ancestral town uh, to register. Okay, and so that's what was happening. Okay, keep going, because he, that's Joseph now, he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, that can easily breeze over us. You kind of read that and you're like, hmm, information. Do not miss this. This is huge. Because what this all is, is actually the fulfillment, okay, the fulfillment of multiple prophecies. This is incredible. You know this? Micah 5 verse 2. This is what it says. But you, O Bethlehem, Okay, catch that. You, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Okay, this is is amazing. This is prophesying the birth of Jesus Christ and that it would happen in this little tiny town of Bethlehem. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but this prophecy in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 actually happened 700 years okay, before Christ was born. Pretty amazing that, that God would give us this, this kind of this minutia, this, this detail. Okay, but how about these? Isaiah 11, verse 1, Jeremiah 33, 15, Ezekiel 37, 24, Hosea 3, verse 5. Okay, just kind of threw that at you. All of those prophesy that the Messiah would be born in David's royal line. In in King David's royal line. And what does our passage tell us? Remember, you just saw it. It says that Joseph was of the house and lineage of who? Big surprise, David. Amazing. All of this, all of this was showing us that the Lord promised that the Savior was coming and that Christ was the fulfillment of, of that and, and multiple those promises, right? Incredible. Okay, I think when I think about this, I've been thinking about this this week, okay, this just shows to me just the, the depth of the love of God, right? It's incredible. 
Because what could God have done? He could have, okay, just, if I can say it like that, he could have just come and been born in a manger without all of the prophecy. He didn't have to necessarily give us all of that. And if he hadn't, it still would have been incredible. It would have been amazing. Okay, but the fact that, that he promises the Messiah multiple times in such incredible detail, like, like Bethlehem, it's a kind of this like nowhere town, and he would do it hundreds and hundreds of years before, just shows us like just another layer of God's love. Right? And that's God's love for me, and it's his love for you. Glory in that. Glory in that. Absorb it. Be filled with wonder. God makes promises. He didn't want to leave us hanging. He wanted us to have some anticipation for this. And when he finally came, it was like, yes, it's about time. It's the perfect time. Can't wait for this. So need Jesus Christ. Need my sins dealt with. Okay, God makes promises. And listen, he fulfills every single one of them. Every one of them. Here's the last thing. Last thing, Jesus came to us at just the right time in the most understated way possible. Most understated way ever. Okay, verse 6, take a look at this. It says, while they were there, okay, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, one of the things that just so jumped out at me this week as I was looking at this is just how this, this whole passage is just so amazingly understated. It's, it's so understated. You know, here we have, you know, God himself coming to earth in the form of man, which again, greatest event ever, right? This is the greatest thing ever. But what, what do you see here? A complete lack of, of pomp and, and, and circumstance. You know, there, there was nothing really epic about this in, in any sense of showy type way. Right? If you and I were God, if we were in charge of, kind of, uh, of rolling out the incarnation, there's no way we would have drawn it up like this. You know, we would have done it in, like, you know, the, the flashiest way possible. We would have had some, like, sweet soundtrack playing in the background. There would have been, you know, like, smog machines going and lasers and lights. There would have been, you know, it would have been a party. It would have been confetti. It would have been gunshots. We would have, like, F-15 eagles, you know, flying over. It would have been, it would have been a party, right? It would have been celebration. You know, look what I'm doing. I'm coming. That's what we would have done. But the Lord, he does he does none of it, right? At least not in this instance, right? We have, we have plenty of examples of, of miraculous miracles and just wondrous works. And I mean, all it takes for us is just to, to go outside and, and gaze at creation and, and look at a starry night or, or a landscape and realize, wow, God, you are, you are amazing. You are marvelous. And all of that shouts and screams of a creator, all of it is his master uh, plan, his handiwork. Okay, but the Lord, he doesn't do anything like that here. And it really says something about our God, doesn't it? It really does. You know, though he could have chosen the grand entrance when he came to us, he could have done all of that. 
And again, he does impress us uh, many, many times. Uh, what does he do here? He comes humbly. He comes humbly. And, and it was really a sign of things to come, wasn't it? It was a sign that, you know, at some, at some point here, but, you know, fast forward about 30 plus years, he would die a, a humble and you could say humiliating, awful, horrific death on a cross for sinful men. A death that he did not deserve. And why did he do that? He did it so that we could be lifted up. He did it so that, so that we could be made new. So that we could have our sinful, messy, awful, gross record of sin completely wiped clean. So that we could be adopted, think about this, adopted as sons and daughters of the king. We could be included in now as royalty. That's why he did it. And you know, as you think about these things, just like a profound sense of awe should be flooding your mind and, and flooding your, your soul. You're like, wow, Lord. You know, you came to earth at just the right time. You know, mankind, we were just, we were so desperate, right? We, we were spinning our wheels and struggling and, and getting nowhere in, in life's hardships and, and all of that, of course, caused by our sin. You know, and, and you promised, right? You, you foreshadowed that these things were going to take place and they were going to happen in these ways. And, and just the, the understated nature of, of all of it, what did it do? It showcased your humility, Lord, it, it, it showcased your, your grace. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all of this. Would you join me now as we, as we pray? I'm going to pray that we would get our hearts and our minds so, so overwhelmed with this, so blown away by God's goodness to us. And then we were going to sing. We were going to worship. And we were going to do this with hearts that are sold out, with hearts that are so grateful to the Lord for how he came at just the right time. Lord, we come before you now. We, we want to thank you, God, for um, not just kind of giving us some attention, Lord, but giving us your very self. Lord, we thank you that uh, you didn't let us sputter. Lord, you didn't let your creation all totally, completely just go to hell. But Lord, instead, you, you came up with a plan to rescue us from all of that. Lord, I pray that gratitude would be the thing on our hearts. Lord, I pray that gratitude would be on our minds. Lord, I pray that, that, that we would be so thankful that it would come off our lips, Lord, for the gospel. Lord, thank you that you humbled yourself. Lord, you didn't need to do that. You could have stayed in glory with your Father and enjoyed the awesome relationship that you had and said you came down here uh, to be with us, to rescue us from our brokenness. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you honor. Lord, all glory be to you for you are good. You are our king. We want to pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is truly above all names. Amen.